creativity is not easy, but it's a smoother path when you let the love in. And the way to do that is to be your best audience member, the number one member of your own fan club. Shed that self-consciousness, your ideas about humility and narcissism, and just enjoy the fruits of your work. Because the only thing that will happen is it will make you want to make more, and that is so important. Hello, hi, I'm Erin Vandevin. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Hello, hi, and welcome to Medium Lady Talks. I'm your host, Erin. This is the second episode following last week's episode on how I podcast and how I've sort of learned about the podcasting process. This second episode is going to be the first five things I learned after one year of podcasting, which will be followed by next week's episode called Five More Things I Learned After One More Year of Podcasting. I hope you'll hold tight through this episode, even if you're not interested in starting your own podcast, because I do think that these 10 things, five things in this episode and five things next week, are actually pretty useful ways of thinking about anything that you might want to spend one year practicing, anything you might want to learn to get better at, anything you might be willing to be bad at, anything you might want to experiment or learn more about. I do think that you can extract a lot of what I'm going to talk about in the next two weeks of episodes to those activities. I've said many times before that I used to think I was bad at the long game, but thankfully podcasting and writing for Medium Lady have been things that have really built up the muscle of playing the long game. I'm always kind of surprised at how quickly a year can pass. I think it's really true. The older you get, the faster time flies. Not only how quickly a year can pass, but how quickly a catalog of content can be built. You know, it really doesn't take that long for you to go from Someone who is thinking, you know, oh, what would I even talk about to now having an archive of work or pieces of writing or posts or poems or photographs or podcasts? This is the kind of thinking that makes me really, really excited. You know, I recently um, celebrated my 39th birthday and it's, you know, getting one year older is always a good time to mark that year passing. It's definitely got me thinking, you know, what will I have to celebrate at 49 years old? You know, 10 years of time used to feel like forever. And of course, you know, if I really look back at the things that have happened to me since turning 29, becoming a parent, moving, property, you know, three kids, lots of job changes, a global pandemic, 10 years used to feel like forever, but it's really not that long. If you're interested in more about podcasting, Last week's episode was all about the process. It included a few questions for anyone wanting to put medium effort into their own podcast development. And today I'm going to talk about the first five things I've learned. And I hope that with this episode, I'll be able to provide an interesting point of view on what podcasting is really like for the thousands or millions of us who use podcasting as passion project, you know, a passion project work or space to be creative. Podcasts can be spaces to explore our own personal development. If you're not a podcaster, I still think you'll really enjoy this episode because part of the creative process is understanding, you know, that man behind the curtain experience. 
when we observe people being creative, we're usually observing the final product. And hopefully through these couple of episodes, what you'll see is more of the messy middle or some of the kind of unknown parts of being creative. And that will give you permission. It will lower the barrier to entry for you. It will demystify any of the challenges that you may have around your own creativity. That process is really the secret sauce of what keeps me going with creativity and spending time on the effort of things, the effort that it takes to get me into the space of the world that is meant just for me. Okay, so let's dive in. Five things I learned from one year podcasting. Number one, and I alluded to this a bit in last week's episode, but the first thing I learned is that help is the only way forward. This makes me think of some of the stories Pixar, if you've ever heard some interviews with Pixar executives, they talk a lot about the middle act in their storytelling process. You know, the hero has a desire, a want, and they spend oftentimes the middle of the movie trying to get that thing without doing the most important and obvious solution. And for me, if if Pixar was going to make a movie of the Medium Lady Talks podcast, I kind of feel like asking for help when it comes to podcasting is that important and obvious solution. And I did spend a fair bit of time trying to avoid doing that, to avoid asking for help. Last week, I shared that it wasn't until I could ask my best friend Emily to help me by sharing what she had learned about podcasting for work that I finally transformed that creative desire to be a podcaster into the actual production of Medium Lady Talks. And the act of asking for help was just the first of many asks for help that I had to do in my first year of podcasting. Asking for help continues to be a central theme in what I'm learning and what I have learned about podcasting. Every time I get the hang of one challenge or another and I look back, the challenge and overcoming the challenge is about asking for something outside of my comfort zone. And so I did a quick brainstorm, a little journal of the things that I had to ask for help with in order to make my way through one year of podcasting. I had to ask Nick to give me recording equipment for Christmas. I had to ask family and friends and Instagram followers to download and listen to my episodes. I had to reach out to people to pitch their participation as guests on the podcast. I had to ask Nick and my kids for the time necessary to plan and record. I had to accept help from my sister when she offered editing support. And I'm still, you know, navigating what that's like and what that partnership is going to feel like. Every single episode, I have to ask for help from listeners to rate and review the podcasts. And that is part of pretty much recording every episode, and it never gets easier. (laughs) I always expect it to feel easier, but trust me, every time I recommend that you rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast, I cringe inside. But it's necessary, and it's important, and, and it is something that I want. I do want your help. So, of course, P.S., you know, insert obvious here, the podcast now has a half a dozen ratings. And if you're listening right now and you haven't given the podcast a rating or review, please pause and go do that now. And see, that's me role modeling the creative process It's saying asking for help is really hard and I'm going to do it right now, even though it always kind of gives me a little bit of a sucker punch to the gut kind of feeling. I think that this year I will have to keep asking for help. I will have to invest in some new technology, which isn't an ask, but it is kind of, it isn't asking for help, but it is kind of claiming space, financial space for my hobbies and interests. I also have a list of future guests that are a little bit outside of my season one comfort zone. And I really have to get to work at sending out those requests to ask for help by saying, hey, oh, want to be on my podcast? 
um, you know, and saying that with confidence and assuredness that my guests will feel really excited to come and join in um, on on a recording. Um, but I'm still calling that asking for help. And finally, I'd like to pitch myself as a guest to other podcasts to build more connection and reach new audiences. And pitching myself, asking people to want me on their own podcasts, that part definitely makes me quiver in my boots, but I can do it. And I plan to do it for my second year of podcasting. The second thing I learned about podcasting in the last year is that technology is all about perspective. You can decide what the highest priority is when it comes to technology. The only perspective that matters is yours and your listeners. And your perspective, or my perspective in this case, is likely going to be much more critical and perfectionistic than your listeners or your community. And perspective can take on many meanings. It can take on the importance of quality of your equipment, the cost of your equipment, the time that you spend navigating your equipment. Specifically, I use a blue snowball microphone. It's a plug and play into my Mac laptop. And I use the Audacity editing software, which is free and downloadable online. I plug in my microphone, I set Audacity to record from the microphone, and then I just talk. And I talk and I talk and I talk and I talk (laughs) until I stop. Now, not all episodes on Medium Lady Talks have been recorded in this way. My first episode, I actually didn't realize I had set Audacity to record from the laptop microphone, not the snowball, and it recorded the whole episode that way. And so if I go back and I listen to that first episode, the sound quality is actually not that terrible. It's not as good as the microphone, but it's really not that bad. You know, please remember, we're all on video calls most of the time. Our technology all has built-in microphones and speakers that will record a pretty reasonable quality of sound. It still surprises me that I made that mistake and everything turned out fine. Right now, most of my episodes are still recorded with the same setup. The Blue Snowball mic, the laptop, and Audacity. Hannah gifted me a mic stand that she wasn't using anymore, and so I've put that mic stand in my closet to muffle ambient sound. And that allows me to just plug and play whenever I find a sliver of time to record. From a technology standpoint, I could spend a lot more money on my microphone. I could spend a lot more money on my um, recording software. And I could probably even come up with some more soundproofing technology. I could come up with some ways to really create a bit of a booth out of my closet and layer in cost to effectively amplify the use of technology. I could set up a video camera to record myself on video while I record this podcast and make a video podcast. But it's, again, all about perspective. Remember, a microphone and a laptop are really not the only ways to record. After a year of podcasting, I'm actually pretty surprised to see how many ways I've captured audio for pod- for the podcast. It really just requires an openness to learn and be flexible with how technology can help you, or me in this case, produce the final product. Another way of recording is um, pulling audio from Zoom calls. Almost all of my interviews happen over Zoom. I record the call and then Zoom will save both an audio and a video file of the call. The audio file is an MP4, so I had to figure out technically how to convert that file to an MP3 to edit in Audacity and then post that as the episode. But technically, again, remember, it's all about perspective. And there's a lot of knowledge that can be gleaned from YouTube, from Google, etc. when it comes to how do I convert? How do I convert for a podcast? There's thousands, if not millions of people podcasting out there. 
they were all asking the same questions that I have, and it was just a matter of investing time to figure out the answers. When I record on Zoom, you know, Zoom is just another way to use technology to create in a new way. And interviews, as I've said before, are some of my favorite podcasting um, episodes and some of my favorite medium of being creative and engaging with others. Interviews were a really pleasant surprise to me. I do think it's something that I felt naturally inclined to do, and so I didn't question it too much. I didn't get too much in my head from an imposter syndrome perspective about like, well, what qualifies me to even interview anybody? I really just enjoy the points of connection and the ways that the Medium Lady Talks guests have made me think more deeply and more fully about my own life and my own lived experience by sharing their own experiences. Technically, I've also recorded in some weird spots. There is one episode in a car when I recorded with my best friends, Emily and Sarah, and that again was just using the laptop microphone to capture sound. It's not a perfectly isolated audio recording. You'll hear us change position. You'll hear the occasional car passing us, but it's still a great episode. And moments like that also allow me to grow as a podcaster because it means I can create without being bound by the constraints of the typical setup. Another way that I record often if I'm feeling really burnt out is I use my phone. I plug in my corded headphones, my Apple headphones, and they're not AirPods. It's the Apple headphones with the cord, and I use the microphone to record a note, a voice memo, and I convert that voice memo by dropping it into a G Drive folder and opening it up on my laptop and editing that file in Audacity. If you're interested about the specific tools that I'm listing here, I will provide a link to the Snowball Mic and the Audacity software in the show notes. The third thing I learned after one year of podcasting is to let your point of view evolve, but have one nevertheless. And I think this is the really general advice that applies to a lot of creatives. When I first started plotting out my episodes, I was pretty convinced that they would follow a similar pattern. I was looking for the sweet formula to make things kind of easy, to make that drafting process go really smoothly, to make sure I could have a pretty seamless content calendar that would help me get many episodes off the ground at once. I was pretty convinced they would follow a similar pattern to the content that I was already sharing on Instagram, which at the time focused on my monthly experiment. This is something I do at the beginning of every month to reflect and consider with medium effort how I'm going to spend any free time that I might have during that month. And I usually call it an experiment because there's this playful attitude to it that allows me to try something new and potentially produce a result or come to a conclusion by the end of the month. But once that end of the month comes, I wipe the slate clean and I start again. Most of the time I come away having gained more information about myself through that experiment. So when I started Medium Lady Talks, I expected to release weekly episodes that would reflect the dimension of those experiments. But very quickly, it became clear to me that I had a lot to say and that my listeners weren't as aware of or even following closely those experiments to be able to make a linear connection to what was happening on Instagram and what was happening on the podcast. So I I let my own point of view evolve and I decided to niche out instead of niching down. I don't know if you've heard this comment of niching down, which is sort of defining your target audience and your target subject matter expertise with as much detail as possible almost to the point where no one else could do what you do. You've niched down and you've become the only voice in your field because the niche is so small. I don't know why, but I really resist this notion. I don't really believe in finding your niche because I think that it's either about trying to serve only people who are like you, which, you know, like, ew, 
And it's also about setting really narrow terms for the sandbox of your creativity by only feeding your audience what they expect every single time, which also, ew. So I try to do the opposite of niching down, which I'm actually going to call niching out. And I think that niching out is about letting your point of view evolve. It's about paying attention to what you thought was going to happen and then noticing mindfully when things don't turn out that way or when they do. Now, I'm going to make one other point of clarification, which is that point of view and values are very different. Your values are going to be your North Star. And for me, my values were very clear when I started Medium Lady Talks. Values are unlikely to change over time, and they haven't for me. My values are always related to discovery, connection, ambition, and love. But my point of view is very much subject to the season of life that I'm in. My previous experience wrapped up with my hopes for the future. My point of view is all about the ways I might change my mind, the ways I'm going to make mistakes. Point of view for me is about growth mindset. What are my strengths? How might I use them to learn more about the world and rethink my role in it? As a creative person, it is important to let your point of view evolve and change. That's not a failure. If anything, I think that evolution is a vital part of keeping your creative plant thriving. If a plant is root-bound, then you get a new pot. And when you repot the plant, you might lose something, but that gives the plant a new chance to grow in ways that are beautiful and inspiring. That's the best analogy that I can use to explain what I mean. I hope you're following. So that's my third thing that I learned, which is to just let my point of view evolve. Okay, the fourth thing I learned after one year of podcasting is this. And I hesitate with this advice because I do worry it will sound narcissistic or self-centered. But the fourth thing I learned after podcasting is to listen to your own stuff and laugh at your own jokes. You will always be your best audience. Really, this advice is just to learn to love your stuff. It's probably not often shared, but I do think creatives like their own stuff. I think if you don't like what you're making, you probably wouldn't make it. I love the show Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, especially the character of Lenny Bruce, who is a friend, mentor, and colleague to Midge Maisel, who's the main character, and she's learning about stand-up comedy, and she's figuring out her own space as a creative in that world. In the pilot of the show, Midge asks Lenny, do you love it? And what she means by that is, do you love stand-up comedy? And he gives her a line about how if he could have any other job, including the most revolting and menial of tasks, he would do it. But she knows that what he means is, yes, he does love it. And I think that for anyone dabbling, pursuing or making a thing for the sake of making it, really loves that process too. Loves the complicated product, loves the completed product, not for it being perfect or for a moneymaker or popular, but just for the sake of loving a thing. So this is your permission to love what you're making. Listen and re-listen or read, reread, look at, admire, photograph. Let your love of the thing mean that you can take it less seriously. It's kind of like a kid. Kids are these like perfect, incredible things that parents are obsessed with and we hold on to them with so much tenderness in our hearts, but our kids are not perfect. And then it's kind of annoying, but we're super fascinated with, you know, what they're like and where they're going. Who are they talking to? (laughs) You know, I feel sheepish, but it's really true. I I do listen to old episodes and I do read my old posts and that gives me a lot of good feelings, a lot of encouragement that past me figured it out and future me knows what it took for past me to figure it out. When you're looking back and loving what you've made, 
you get to appreciate that you're never starting from square one. You're always bringing those past creations with you. Creativity is not easy, but it's a smoother path when you let the love in. And the way to do that is to be your best audience member, the number one member of your own fan club. Shed that self-consciousness, your ideas about humility and narcissism, and just enjoy the fruits of your work. Because the only thing that will happen is it will make you want to make more, and that is so important. There have been times when I've hit bumps along the way in this podcast. There have been times when my life has inserted itself in that creative process and said, no, you need to stop being creative so that you can have more time for this. And it's really my love of the work, my love of the product, and my gratitude for what I've learned about myself, that love of the thing has made it possible for me to keep going. It's been really important. It's been a really important lesson to learn after one year is that loving what you've made is the best way to make more, the best way to to be more creative and to really thrive in that space. The fifth and final thing I learned after one year of podcasting is after you become your best audience member is to let your audience surprise you. There are some ideas that kind of clanged around in my head that have gotten easier to overcome as I put one episode in front of the other. And the first is that I wanted to make a podcast to connect with people. I wanted to make a podcast to connect with you. But my audience and how they consume this podcast in many ways, it actually has nothing to do with me. And that's a really funny thing to reconcile. And I hope I can make that make a bit of sense as I talk through this last point. What I mean by this is that some people who listen religiously really surprised me and have been the number one reason that I actually wish I had started my podcast sooner. And there are some people that I know really well that I thought would listen a lot, but that don't. And there are a few people I've been really terrified would find out I even have a podcast, but I still make it nevertheless. And that's what I mean by sometimes your audience has nothing to do with you. Your audience as a creative sometimes feels like the reason for making a thing, but the only thing we have control over is actually the making of it, not the consumer of it. Making the podcast in this case, after it's posted or released or published, as a creative, there's really nothing else I can do once I've made the thing. The audience, you, my audience, will consume it however you're going to. And as a creator, you can just make yourself available to the audience to learn about how what you made connected with them. But how it connected with them is really not about you. It's about them. It's not about me. It's about you. (laughs) This keeps me in this kind of interesting seesaw of creating for myself and creating for others as well. There are really some incredible episodes of Medium Lady that wouldn't have existed if I'd adhered to my original structure and point of view that I discussed earlier, if I'd only stuck to talking about my monthly experiments, these episodes, which some of are some of my favorites, would never have existed. Episodes like Cozy Christmas Reads with Allie and Jillian, the episode with Jane Allen, who's the author of the Black Girls Must series, those were episodes that came about because of audience suggestions and outer forces saying, hey, do you want to talk about this? And me being open to say, sure, hey, let's see how this goes. So with that being said, I have been pitched to have guests on the podcast where I felt like the person really didn't listen to my podcast or check out my profile. I was sort of part of a cold call with a templated email, which would be fine, except the person was promoting something that just wasn't a fit for me, for what I can talk about and for what I would want to listen to if I was looking for podcast content. 
So that's definitely a fine line. But the Medium Lady Talks audience is absolutely the best community I could have ever hoped for, both for me as a creator and for others to join in and be welcomed to do the thing that I'm encouraging and role modeling here. You are supported by Medium Lady and our community to explore and discover the place in the world that is made for you. We are all here for that. We are all here for you with medium effort and mindful fun to try one thing and another and another and enjoy a lifetime of self-discovery. So podcasting after this last year has been as much about who listens to the podcast and how they affect and shape me and then how that goes on to live in the creative process of making a podcast. This season, I want to look for even more chances to connect with the podcast audience and learn more about you as a listener. So with that being said, if you're listening, thank you for listening and you want to connect, please go and find me on Instagram at medium.lady. You can always look for the pink tile in my feed to talk after this episode. And there's no doubt that I'm so grateful that you're here and how much you are shaping me and this podcast for the better and for many future episodes to come. Those are the five things I've learned after one year of podcasting. And next week, I will talk about five more things that I learned after one year podcasting. I'm Erin. I hope you are well wherever you are, and I will see you again soon. Bye.